Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here to continue the positional reviews today, and we're going to talk about cornerback today with Mike Fast. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have you again, Mike. And, and uh, the Ravens uh, had the worst pass defense in the entire NFL as measured by passer rating against and probably by some other metrics as well but by passer rating again obviously quite bad uh the problems were not all at cornerback but the problems were certainly very significant at cornerback uh they started uh, before the first game was even played with the injury to marcus peters yeah and that was something that you kind of knew they couldn't afford with uh all the offensive injuries going down and it's funny how the offense impacts the defense where you know look we're going to be behind or the Ravens are going to be behind or at least have to battle more than they're used to and have less uh, wiggle room so to speak on defense you can't afford to lose a great corner like Peters and as we saw throughout the season that just has a horrible ripple effect it really does. I mean, that's a good point, Mike, that, that if you are consistently leading in games like the 19 and 20 Ravens were, particularly early in the season, you don't have to play a whole lot of base defense. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the 2019 Ravens played only, I think, 10.6% base defense, and they played 13.2% race car, four outside linebackers. So very, you know different kind of perspective on the game to get to play all that dime, all that race car, instead of playing your base defense. And uh, it is, it's quite an advantage and it helps all your rotation. It helps the players who are getting tired, not play as many snaps because that's mostly a defensive line phenomenon um, to, to be able to, mm-hmm. to play some of these lighter packages. Yeah, exactly. And when you have guys that are not only – not talking about like the younger guys, but also the veterans who are just not used to playing 
certain situations. Like, for example, uh, the Bengals game at home pops out to me where Marlon Humphrey was kind of, you know, it's funny, I was tracking it, that he was against, I think, Jamar Chase for all but three of the snaps in the first half. And before that big slant at the end, Jamar Chase, I think, had one catch for nine yards. So uh, they were pretty comfortable in that. But once that was kind of a microcosm of the whole season where once the cracks started to to come in that secondary, the off the the opposing offenses knew that and they really went after him, whether it be Marlon Humphrey, whether it be a, a Jimmy Smith or a big name, so to speak. Um, no one was safe, really. So right. that was something that they seemed to never be able to recover from. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, it, it definitely was not just at cornerback. They picked on the inside linebackers like nobody's business this year. And I, we just talked in the last show, it was actually about the defensive line, but how much the safeties had to change their assignments this year to make up for a, a really weak inside linebacker core in terms of coverage. I mean, none of them, none of them have real skills. Bynes has a little bit of recognition skills. Uh, Board is not a particularly good cover guy. Queen is a terrible cover guy, as we've talked about a lot on this show. And uh, and Harrison had a really bad coverage year, whether or not the guy can recover or not. Um, but none of them have any idea other than Bynes about what's going on between level two and level three. And that really puts a, a big stress on your safeties. So, you, you know, games like mm-hmm. where Jamar Chase is in town, where they're stacking coverage against him, they're, they're really stacking a safety over the top. They're giving him the Randy Moss treatment, as we would otherwise maybe say. Um, you just can't do that as often when your inside linebackers are so weak in the middle of the field is in such need of help. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> I would love to be in the meeting room with Wink Martindale as the season progressed because it, it's just got to be so fascinating. What do you do? Like, even if you had a few less injuries, so if you want to take guys out of the pass rush to mm-hmm. kind of help out with the intermediate or a, c- a certain part of the field the defense is attacking, well, that gives the quarterback more time where if you commit a defensive back to a blitz, obviously that's going to lessen your chances. And, you know, generally the defensive backs are one of their strengths, you know, before this year, they're, they're pretty good blitzers. So you don't want to just completely ignore that and completely give up, but it's so fragile, I think is the word where uh, that I think best describes Wink Martindale's margin of error, where he has to be aggressive because that's that's what you built your whole program on, and especially when you're behind, you have to go for the turnover. Uh, but if you're too aggressive, it's gonna get ugly real quick. So um, that's something where I think they're gonna address in this draft is gonna look for a pass coverage linebacker like the Buccaneers seem to have found. Okay, so I want to I want to come back to that question at point for a second because for forty years in baseball very aggressively sabermetricians have been trying to to, to um, pull apart the impacts of pitching and defense but very similar to what you just said about the pass rush and the and the coverage it's it's almost impossible to take those two apart in terms of what they, they pass rush impacts coverage coverage impacts pass rush they, they they both have a tremendous impact and like how to optimize that is a, is a really tough question the ravens have some good versatile pieces in terms of doing both when you got Clark and Elliott and, and Bowser, certainly in terms of being a coverage drop and Matt Judon the year before and whatnot. I mean, they, they've had 
assets that, that, that can really help you be flexible and be disguised about what you're attempting to do with the line of scrimmage. It's just um, maybe not quite enough. What, what was short for me this year, I want to go back to Marcus Peters now for a moment mm-hmm. and just say, you know, they lost their big interception threat. And I think that really was a it might have had a bigger impact on interceptions than just the interceptions he had because his ability to gamble on an Island is very good. Obviously um, one of the things about Marcus Peters, yes, he's a gambler. He's a great gambler. I mean, he, he's, he's the card counter that, that, that offenses <laughs> want to avoid uh, in terms of, of having, you know, taking chances to his, his zone on the field. I, uh, he, he baits the quarterback, marionettes the quarterback a lot of the time. And, and, you know, you're, you, the Ravens missed that in no uncertain terms this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know that you can really make up for it. And I think it impacted other areas of the defense where they had to cover for the quarterbacks. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Ken. And you saw it was so one of the very frustrating things following the Ravens is how low their turnovers were. And even mm-hmm. when in previous years, when they would give up points or not have the best game or the best one loss record, they would always turn the football over. Uh, excuse me. They would, Cause turnovers, and this year they were pretty low in that department, and rightly said with Marcus Peters, whether he got the interception himself or allowed uh, a teammate to get it, his losing his presence uh, was real tough, and guys uh, would just it would seem like they weren't quite sure. They, maybe they knew the landmark to get to, or they knew the coverage what they were supposed to do, but they were kind of just missing. I don't want to say confidence, but they were just missing something where if Marcus Peters is there, they give you, it's like that subconscious kind of security blanket, like, all right, we're good. I can play that much more confident, uh, take that much more of a risk because I know he's got me or I know um, I can read this. If I'm a safety, I can read this out and then get over top of Marcus because he's got his guy covered. Uh, So you know, like you said, it's more than just corners. It's more than just Marcus Peters, but his loss was the first big step, the first kind of Domino. big shooter drop. And then um, it, it just seemed like every week another one, they just were just losing a little bit of steam and slit like quicksand. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard to watch after a while. Okay, so let's go through the other corners one at a time here. Marlon Humphrey uh, did not have the sort of year he had uh, when he was active. He had one really bad game. And in fact, every every Ravens corners, even the good ones, had a trip to the bathroom this year. There's no doubt about that. And and uh, Marlon Humphrey in that first Cincinnati game was pretty terrible. He mentioned that he was he was good for a while mm-hmm. against Chase. Uh, he had an interception late in that game. I think he maybe. Forced a fumble that went out of bounds too. I'm trying to think of of, uh, of what he might have done in that game, but he had a, he had a he definitely had plays in a game where he gave up approximately 200 yards in total to 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 Jamar Chase and and company. Um, yeah. But he's he's a uh, a guy who, who lost a lot of his uh, peanut punch results <laughs> this year. Yeah, and that is something that. I was a little surprised at, to be honest with you. I thought that when he was in that game, obviously the Jamar Chase first half touchdown was was huge. But I think where they really, uh, not just with the yardage and points, but just psychologically where the Bengals just completely took over that game and really that division uh, was when C.J. Uzama just took him for a ride in the second half. And Marlon traditionally, you know, you can speak more to this, than I can, but I, I generally don't think he matches up 
on tight ends at offense. So it seems like it was not that they couldn't do it. Obviously, he didn't execute on that play, but it seemed like that was a little odd. And then in the Pittsburgh game, and I believe it's Deontay Johnson where he, he got hurt, that was something where you would have maybe liked to see a Tavon Young on him or maybe someone a little bit quicker. Now, for all of his injuries and his missed plays, uh, he did lead the team in passes defense with only 12 games played. So he, he's not going anywhere in terms of his playmaking ability. It's just, I think, again, with that Marcus Peters point, maybe just a little wrinkle. Everybody, Marlon included, has to do a little something different. And in conjunction with the linebacker, uh, Woes, I think he's your best cover guy, but then sometimes the bigger guy wins and it just snowballs from there. One of the things I want to see them do with Marlon is try and keep him on the outside. And and I know he's been effective in the slot. So it seems like weird that, that you know, the Ravens just didn't use him wherever they need him. But I, I want the Ravens to develop another slot corner. He's an aircraft carrier, still not the greatest change of direction skills, even though, you know, certainly not up to elite slot corner level mm-hmm. in terms of, of uh, uh, change of direction skills. He's more of a boundary guy. And also see, being the kind of hitter he is in terms of, uh, contact with the football with those baseball bat arms after the ball is caught or after the ball is as the ball is being secured, um, that has more value on the outside than it does on the inside. You can't. You, it's 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 more difficult, I think, um, to make that to make that hit on a receiver in a punch out manner than it is on the outside where you have the boundary to help. So I think that's a that's kind of a big deal, and and I I I, just, I think he's been more effective out there. I really want to see him on the outside again, and and the Ravens need, for my way of thinking, another smaller cornerback for for the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not their their bent to to go for these smaller guys, but they probably do need a guy who focuses on change of direction. Maybe our Darius Washington is that guy, or maybe it's somebody else. Yeah, maybe, and I think, and we'll get to this, but I think there's a perfect guy in the draft that screams Ravens. But yeah, there you're you're totally right about that. And I, I'm looking at this box score now from the Bengals game, which is kind of the catalyst for kind of the Ravens' uh, real downfall. And it doesn't. Okay, so Deshaun Elliott was the guy who usually might work on those tight ends or cover uh, slot receiver or pick him up uh, at times. But um, anyway, yeah, I think Marlin is is tailor-made for the outside and he his game screams in those tight quarters like you said in the boundary which for those who don't know it's the short side of the field this is another word for it I think Marlin is just such a natural there and can use his ball skills and if he's going against uh, a quicker guy or if he is being asked to do that there's less room so it's more he's more in a in a phone booth Typesetting, if you will. So I think Marlin is mm-hmm. is is great for that. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know if the Ravens have that new slot guy. I mean, obviously Tavon Young is good, but like in this NFL, like or, like you need more than a couple pass rushers. You need more than a couple slot corners now. So um, I think they're going to be looking at that in the draft for sure. Yeah, that that is that's another thing about the position that I really don't like for Humphrey is it, it he's going to go after the quarterback some as as a slot corner or if he doesn't he takes away from your your scheme he's obviously more involved in stopping the run game when he's in the slot and it, it's 
it's not a matter that he's not a great physical player. He's a hell of a physical player. He's, a, he's the toughest guy probably in the Ravens secondary, uh, in the Ravens cornerbacks world anyway. And, but I still don't want him involved in a ton of run plays. If you go back and look at the 2000 Ravens and Dwayne Starks and Chris McAllister, despite you know both of them being happy to throw their bodies around, they won't do it on run plays, and it's because they've been told not to. It's really clear if you watch that watch that tape, and I, you know that I think that was really successful, obviously for that team keeping those guys healthy and and you know having them being a big part of the playoff run, and uh, you know with Humphrey, I, I I hope that they can not just with him, but with him, uh, you know, keep those guys on the outside healthy by not getting them involved in run defense. Mm. Yeah. And you, you don't want, this is not, I'm definitely not saying he's fragile or any or anything like Mm -hmm. that, but you don't want to take a chance. So I think it's kind of like similar. There's a parallel to the Lamar situation where he can, like he's shown 20 carries a game or 10 or 12, like so far, what he got hurt on at Cleveland was a pass play. So it's not to say he can't handle it. It's just you don't want to take a risk with so much, with someone you've invested so much in. At the same time, you would hope that – I think the last time we were on a podcast together, we talked about you don't want a defensive back having to make many tackles. So that means the runner is getting either way outside your your box or getting deep down the field. So that's not good. So absolutely, I think you're spot on with that. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, we'll talk about Anthony Averett a little bit, the guy who, who really stepped up for the Ravens this yeah. year. Obviously, his loss was just heartbreaking towards the end of the year for a lot of reasons. I mean, he's, he's in a contract year, and this is an opportunity for him to, to make some money, get the financial security he no doubt wants. Uh, the Ravens, he may... He may or may not be available to the Ravens in some capacity this next year. I would I would have thought that at midseason and shortly thereafter that he might have been looking at close to ten million dollars a year. Now I'm not sure. I'm not. I really don't know what the market is for Anthony Averett. A couple of bad games this year. It seemed like when teams focused on beating him at the top of the route, they did a pretty good job. Indianapolis, and it honestly didn't matter who Pittman or Pascal. Uh, had another guy in there too that I'm forgetting his name, but but, but you know receivers uh, that were moved in from the boundary, basically to the numbers. So he's not playing outside the numbers. Um, he has more trouble at the top of the route. It may be a confidence thing. It may be a learned um, uh, you know processing thing. So it, it's certainly something Anthony Averett should be working on this off season. In addition to the uh, rehab, is trying to improve his top of the route skills Mm. and that's something that's so hard for any defensive back it just so happens that Averett probably got his most playing time of of all so far in his young career this year so that's something yeah it definitely is going to come with experience and you know like he had he had a really good game against the Chiefs against guy like Tyreek Hill who wasn't on exclusively I don't believe but that's a a a very very uh, experienced passing attack top to bottom, and he had a good game against them. Whereas you know the Colts are a good team and they have good players, but if you were to ask anybody who who would be a harder uh, team to defend, you would say Kansas City. So you know he has it in him. Now it's just a matter of kind of cutting down on those mistakes not relying so much on on others and 
just going out in kind of compartmentalizing in every play, every drive saying, who do I have? And knowing tendencies too. And a lot of times at the top of a route where people get fooled is a double move. Usually uh, option routes where it's built in, where a player has a couple ways to go on a route. Those are not usually not so deep. They're usually at, at or near the line of scrimmage. Whereas Mm -hmm. if Averett is getting fooled at the top of a route on, let's say a third down, it's usually 10 to 12 yards and beyond. So, Maybe he can, obviously, I don't know what their scheme is exactly, but I would think that if he can study, okay, I'm going against Michael Pittman this week, and I know that if it's third and eight plus or whatever, he likes to go one of two ways. And and again, all your preparation, like we've talked about before, it's all probability anyway. You never truly know what they're going to do until they do it. So I would just hope that, and I'm, I'm sure that he will he'll work on this, where he just look at the tendencies, fixate on them, and just know, all right, this is what I have. If he goes here or if he, if he, his release stems this way, I know where to go and so forth. So I'm not concerned about him uh, in terms of him closing the gap on his mistakes, but uh, it is frustrating from the standpoint that he was on, he had started so well. And especially when the Ravens needed someone to step up at corner, he kind of, you know, I think he, I forget who his injury was now, but um he couldn't finish the season the way he wanted. Yeah, he led, led the Ravens cornerbacks in snaps with 807 this year. In fact, he was fourth on the whole defense in terms of snaps. Only Queen, Clark, and Bowser played more, and, and Queen and Bowser were just a, just a few more snaps. Uh, Clark played every snap pretty much, and, and of course, he's the, mm-hmm. he's the green dot wearer. But it's, it, you know, this is his fourth year, and he really has progressed exactly as you could hope for a fourth round pick into a, a very solid starter in his fourth season. Uh, and, you know, had obviously shown flashes before that, starting with his rookie year with about 65 snaps then. But uh, I, I, there's nothing about his development that I'd say should have held him back. He's an up and coming defensive back in this league, or at least he was until the injury. Uh, we still hope that's true. Um, I want to, I want to address one thing you said about tendencies. I think the I, tendencies are important, and look, understanding you know what the guy might do more often than not is is one thing. I also want him to work on reading that leverage, and and some of that mm-hmm. I know is processing speed. That I might be asking him to do things that are at a different level of ability. Like when, nobody's going to read read leverage like Lamar Jackson does or like Muhammad Ali did. I mean, just asking mm-hmm. a boxer or a quarterback to do that just doesn't make any sense. It's it's outside of people's skill set. But he does need to look for those tendencies, not not in the, not the ones on paper that says he'll go to the boundary 30% of the time and he'll cut to the inside mm-hmm. 70% of the time. He, he needs to look at the tells from, from that receiver of what's giving it away in terms of, of when he's going inside or outside. And I want him to figure that out. Um, you know, the, the more he can learn generally, the better. And I would hope that this is something that he can do on a low intensity basis to really make the most of his positional uh, training this off season. And uh, some, some players just really value their time off. You know, they, they want to go clubbing. They want to go to Las Vegas. They, they want to spend time with girls. They want to, you know, do all of the things that young men like to do. But uh, you know, when you're, when you're playing football, it's a, it's a 12 month a year job right now. And, and uh, you know, I would hate that he'd be spending time on an internship for a broadcast career when he could be 
uh, you know, spending it trying to figure out how to be a better cornerback and the millions and millions of dollars that will affect him in the coming years. Yeah, and it and unfortunately, the best way to do what you just said is to get in person reps, or at least be on the field in person. Because even with the all twenty two film angle, you can only get so much of a read on a guy in his body lean. And even like if he was, if the Ravens were running just in helmets, and he was behind the defensive backfield, but he could read the receiver. Even when he wasn't in an active rep, mm-hmm. he could see so much more than what you can see on film. So really won't get a chance to do that for another three, three and a half months or so, um, maybe four months, depending on if they can go back uh, all in person for OTAs and stuff. So that's going to take a while. And I think he'll get there. That's just my instinct because I think the way he was coached at Alabama and it seems like what he wants to do like he has I, it seems to me like he is still he's nowhere close to what he wants to accomplish what he has in the nfl yet so i think he's on his way so i think he'll get there but he does surely have work to do but i don't think he can do it until he gets back in person all right, let's we, we got to move on here and, and go a little faster pace. I'm sorry to do this to you, but Tavon Young, uh, 550 snaps, played incredibly all 17 games. And one of the things that Tavon, I'm sure, wanted to do as much as anything else was to play all 16 games, all 17 games, and he did. Um, he's, he's a guy who uh, I thought was certainly very good at times. The overall passer rating is not particularly good. It's well over 100 for him so i it to i still think he's the he's the best guy in terms of changing direction in the slot but i don't think there's any way the ravens can pass up trimming 5.85 million of uh cap space by cutting him this year so they may be able to bring him back on a on a on a lesser deal or it may just be the time the year they have to say goodbye to Tavon Young. Yeah, and that's that's going to be one of the big keys uh, for the Ravens, and I think that they should definitely keep him. They, I, in my opinion, they have to figure out a way to keep him because you're already looking for, like we talked about before, ideally to add another slot player. Well, mm-hmm. he's finally come back from the injuries, battled back, uh, and shown that he can be a force. You know, he had I think four tackles for loss including two sacks from a from a defensive back that's pretty yeah, good, when good you're slot blitzer but l- let right. me just let me simplify this sure. entire question for you mike how much are you willing to pay for Tavon young given the risk of injury that has shown itself over the last few years just give me a one-year figure in terms of of you can and you can you can incentivize this if you want to go which i think is probably the way it would end up i think if you want to give him between I would say my max would be six million. Okay, one year. I mean he's 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 only making five point eight four five million under the cap, so you can keep him for that. Yeah, so I think somewhere around that would be the max. Okay, I I I would say more like um, one point five million with incentives to four. That's that's where I would go on this. I mean, I think he's. I don't. I do not think there is a market for Tavon Young. I think he's basically radioactive in terms of the injury risk. Uh, at this point and getting through 17 games that'll help him uh, in terms of, of having some market but I don't think there's a team other than the Ravens who, who are really all that excited about him and and I wouldn't have a problem he's been a 
he's been a career Raven and, and, you know, when he's been able to be on the field, that's been, he's been a very good player. Uh, but, but I don't think I could go over an incentivized deal that was any higher than that for him. Yeah. That's going to be something that is definitely going to work, uh, against him and a lot from a leverage standpoint, but you know, it, it is what it is. They just, they got to make hard decisions every year. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, let's let's keep going on here because we we need to, we got a large group to get through. Um, Chris Westry uh, looked good at times during this year, and uh, and certainly uh, you know appeared to be a player who was on the rise. Uh, it wasn't perfect by any stretch, but uh, love that length at corner that he gives the Ravens. Yeah, and that's something that you got to be excited about as a Ravens fan, obviously. Was it uh, at Cincinnati? He gave up that really long pass, and that's was a big mistake that he knew right away he made. Uh, you just have to, though, I think, see the bigger picture, and especially given the conversation we just had, even though they're different types of corners, Chris, Chris Westry represents a big corner that is going to be cheap for right now and is just getting started, and he already made plays when he didn't have a lot of time to get up to speed. And for the most part, he, he handled that pretty well. So that's something, someone that, again, seeing the big picture, you want to be excited about. And I just like his length, especially given the fact that you know now who Jamar Chase is, you know who T. Higgins is, Chase Claypool for however many years he's going to stay along, around. Yeah, great matchups yeah. for Westry. Right, and then in assuming the Browns bring in someone taller than um, Jarvis Landry, you got to think. That, and Andrew Barry now at the helm there in Cleveland, he's going to do a great job in the draft. So those big corners are someone you definitely um, got to be thankful that you have. Yeah, Westry to me is one of the building blocks, one of the foundational pieces for the Ravens secondary, and you know at least you hope that's the way it turns out because he's one of the only young guys they got. He's entering year three. I, this time next year, we might be talking about can they get Chris Restry signed to a multi-year deal a year early to try and not RFA him, not take the chance of him going to free agency. But uh, you know, he's he's definitely a player that that needs to fit into the Ravens' plans, and I think he'll enter this year probably as no worse than the fourth cornerback. He might be the third cornerback on this team in terms of of where they are. I don't think he'll be number two, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see about that. It's still, it is, it's definitely mathematically possible. It could be him and Humphrey starting the year. So um, it is what it is. Let, let's talk about some of the other guys who, who played the position during the year. Uh, we had uh, Jimmy Smith, of course, got 293 snaps, mostly at the end of the year. Uh, was remarkable in terms of his durability finishing up the year. Actually played, I think, very well in terms of his, his coverage. Um did have a little problems in terms of change of direction, getting beat on some whip routes, particularly by Deontay Johnson in week 18. And I'm thinking of, uh, but seems to be a player who can still do a little something. Yeah. And so that's getting to the situation where I think it was him that came out, uh, right, right after the season ended where he said, I don't want to play anywhere else could be mistaken but i think that was him and Mm -hmm. you know he's an unrestricted free agent at he made up i think two and a half million this past year so i I don't know what the salary negotiation is going to be like i have to think given the current state of the defensive backfield given how he's played with the the raven so long and obviously what he means to the team 
I, I just have to think they bring him back, but at what cost, at how many years? For the play he he did make, plays he did make, excuse me, at the end of the season that were good, but again, he's not going to be your starter. He's going to be a reserve player. Will he want to do that? I, mean, I don't know. perfectly happy doing it. I mean, he knows what okay, his role well, is. Yeah. Then, then great, <laughs> yeah. keep him around. Yeah. But I just, I just wonder that, um, you know, if they draft someone else, I'm assuming they're going to draft one or two defensive backs. Um, I'm sure, I'm not saying his ego is going to get in the way, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you're going on the last few years of your career, making not that much money, I just have to wonder what that's going to be like for him, who who had been such a key player in the defense and kind of, it seems like all of a sudden, I know it hasn't been this quick, but it seems like all of a sudden he's, you know, playing second fiddle. Yeah, he, he, he's, he becomes important to the Ravens every year, as in he comes yeah. in and plays a role that, that, that uh, where he, where he plays more than expected. Uh, you know, I think if he makes two million, it might be too much, but that that's fine if they want to overpay a little bit for a backup corner. Jimmy Smith is perfectly aware of the business of football at this point in his life. He made a lot of money playing this game. I think right now he's in the same position as McPhee. Levine uh, never made a lot of money, but he's but he's just happy to be here. Josh Bynes is in a similar position. Probably Eric Tomlinson is in a similar position in terms of a guy who who knows the Ravens probably have a role for him, but other teams don't. And and you know it's just very appreciative of of what the situation is here. Uh, I love the Ravens vet roundtable that they have. I, I think it, it, it probably is very positive in terms of leadership components, and it's definitely very positive in terms of what these guys can bring on the field. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be eager to have him back again. I, 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 I wasn't 100% sure that I would feel this way, but, but I think he did enough in these last few weeks to, to make me think, yeah, it, you know, if it's right player, right price, no problem. I don't think there's another bidder out there. I don't think there's, first of all, he's kind of ruled it out, but, um, but I don't think there's another bidder out there who says, okay, you know, we'll give you two million with 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 incentives to five million. I don't think that deal exists for Jimmy Smith. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's they'll definitely be able to keep him, and I think he'll play a part for sure. Um, I'm just glad that like Tavon Young, he's back healthy and he's he has a mental fortitude obviously he's shown to battle and just to even try it because kind of rewind back to when you have an injury like i've personally never had an injury like that much less fighting back to get back to being in nfl shape i have to think when that happens every step of that rehab process you just have to wonder if it's worth it and they've shown that it you know they they battled just the mental part much less getting back on the field and then actually performing well so like you said, he, he's very valuable to the team, and I don't think he's going to play end up playing for any other team. Um, so I'm just glad that he's back and his mind seems to be in the right place and he's focused. And I think that, obviously, with less of an impact than Ray Lewis, he has that mindset to, I'm going to just kind of empty the tank and just do whatever I can to get this team to a Super Bowl. We may not make it, but I think we're close, and I'm going to put my body on the line. I'm going to reserve playing time whatever I have to do we need to get this done so I think he's one of those key players that's going to kind of solidify those intangibles for these All young right. players they're molding 
got three other guys on the roster I don't think have any part of the Ravens in next year. Robert Jackson, Kevon Seymour, Daryl Worley uh, were emergency fill-in bodies. And, you know, the fact that all three of them were on the same on the on the field at the same time tells you just about how desperate the Ravens situation at cornerback was. Uh, Seymour did not have a bad game against Pittsburgh, I didn't think, in the last week. Uh, other than that, he was pretty darn bad. Worley was awful when he was in there. Didn't like how he played at all. Robert Jackson had some leverage mistakes. Um, probably was not any worse than the other two, but he's certainly less experienced. Um, I, I, I don't see any of those guys as being back. Worley and Seymour are older players. Worley, I believe, is getting close to 30, and, and Seymour is 28 and is, and is a free agent at UFA, not, not just an RFA. Uh, Jackson is, I believe, a younger player, so he may still have time with the Ravens under a cheap deal. Uh, hard for me to say, actually. I, uh, I do not know exactly where he is. He's played. It looks like he's played parts of three seasons with Cleveland uh, for two of them. So he probably has. Uh, he might, might be ending an RFA uh, year coming up here, which would be pretty crazy. Yeah, and, yeah, I, and I agree. And I just think it's it's a it's a product of how again this Ravens. <laughs> I've just said ad nauseum, but it, this Raven situation. Offense and defense, but particularly on the defense, was such an aberration from the injuries. So you have to assume all those guys come back. And the only reason, like you said, these these last three we mentioned were playing was because of injury. Uh, I wonder if Kevon Seymour, I think he's one of those guys that could start with another team, maybe on the practice squad, get waived, and then midseason the Ravens might pick him back up. Like you said, against Pittsburgh, he had three tackles for loss. So that's pretty incredible um but yeah i mean he's a veteran corner that played with the ravens and did some good things and you know but the ravens the way they're going isn't just okay or at least that's where they they want to not just be okay they don't want to just get to the playoffs they don't want to just participate they want to be a dominant Mm -hmm. force and for them to do that they have to be very bold and say, look, we're looking for the highest standard we can get, and we're not going to budge off that. And unfortunately, I don't think Seymour's going to be part of, of that team. Like I said. I'm just trying to be polite. You're being very saying. polite about it. Unnecessarily uh, nice to give on Seymour very about this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ardarius Washington, one of the guys we didn't talk about. Now, mm. the, the Ravens, very unusual team. They're They're built the reverse of most teams. Most teams have too many guys who are slot corner prospects because they're kind of undersized defensive backs and too few of the big length guys for the outside. The Ravens unbelievably have all of these aircraft carrier corners who are, who are the, the, the size you want and, and what you want on the outside. They have fewer of the guys at slot corner. So Ardarius Washington and Tavon Young it this year. Uh, Ardarius Washington, I think, could definitely be a part of the Ravens' future uh, starting this year, potentially as the starting slot corner. But I think they will draft somebody else, and I think they'll, they'll try and find that guy might be might be a draft actually might be a UDFA because they're going to try and find an undervalued guy to play slot corner for this team mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and that's something that you know we really I think we're robbed a little bit as Ravens fans of not being able to see what our Darius Washington can do cuz anybody that follows their draft knows that TCU and Washington especially have very very good defensive backs like defensive linemen at Ohio State or linebackers at Penn State um 
TCU has just turned out really solid defensive backs over the last few years, offensive linemen at Notre Dame. So that's the kind of program they have, and Ravens didn't really get to see that out of him. So I think they're definitely going to give him another chance uh, to compete in training camp. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting also, I know it's not on the team anymore, but now that we're on the topic of cornerback, Sean Wade, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I was researching it during the week, preparing for this. They traded him for two picks because they had so much depth. And then, ironically, they could have used him during the season. Well, so they, they could have used him, but they couldn't have kept him. So it, it's right. It was, well, yeah, but it doesn't make the trade bad. This is <laughs> funny how those things work out. But yeah, our Darius Washington, I think you make a really good point. Um, and when we get into the draft in a second, I think he plays that position where, you know, yeah, he'll be in the slot, but I like this. And that's not a technical term, but I like how he plays on the hashes and not just, you know, maybe where safeties line up, but he can go forward as opposed to going back or, you know, covering in, in space in a deep zone. He can play kind of that robber role or support um, for crossers, you know, like the Bengals like to do or what have you. So um, I'm really excited to see him get back to full strength and compete. Although if, if, if they could get another slot corner, and he's not the starter. He certainly could help in a dime package because he is more sure. of a hybrid player. And you can, you can easily see him taking one of those two linebacker spots to play a short zone, read the quarterback effectively, and, and uh, cause all kinds of trouble. Uh, yeah. a, a good, uh, good player. Um, a, a secondary, obviously, a big concern. They've got a lot of guys walking here. Uh, we think that Marcus, Marcus uh, Peters might be gone. We certainly think that Tavon Young might be gone. Uh, Anthony Averett it, it will enter the free agent market, so who knows if he can be retained. Uh, it's it's a and then Jimmy Smith, of course, the perpetually about to retire Raven. Um, you know wh- what do you do with with a with a group that's older like this? And I think it has to start with the draft. I, I think they'll certainly have one pick at cornerback. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it's a first round pick. Uh, I know everybody else wants. Oh, I want a pass rusher. I want an offensive tackle, and I do too. But if you see the right guy at cornerback, uh, that's not the guy you pass up because the Ravens are very thin there right now. Right. And I think there's two guys that you really want to look at. And I'm sure the Ravens have already looked at and will continue to do so. Um, no, the first one that I think is a round one pick is Auburn corner Roger McCreary. He's six foot 190, so pretty good size. Um, just watching him, he has very good man coverage skills, either, whether it be press or off. Uh, he has really excellent instincts. He just, I, I wrote down, great reactive athleticism. He, he can convert what he sees to his physical execution, which is very, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems simple, but it is very hard to do. His top tier ball skills, strong tackler, very smart. His best game was at against Alabama in the Iron Bowl, where he just can touches contests the catch point so well. And even if he's quote unquote behind on a route, he never gives up. He knows he doesn't just flail at the ball. He's he has a plan. You know, he knows what he's doing. The other guy who I think could be that what I call that hash corner hybrid safety the tyron matthew role is washington's trent mcduffie who's about the same size 511 195 again coming from a long line of successful washington defensive backs he has a 
the prototypical quick trigger of the, those Washington players, like a Buddha Baker or Marcus Peters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, excellent, excellent motor. Doesn't ever stop. Yeah, go ahead. I just I, well, I want to say I really do want to get into the draft with you, Mike. And this is, okay, this is you're obviously very talented about this. But let's let's <laughs> yeah. talk about this when it, when it's time to talk draft. For this show, we're really looking back at 2021 and what the Ravens might do notionally okay. in terms of hey, they might use a draft pick or whatever. But we'll, I, we certainly have the on for a draft show, Mike. This is I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it already. If you want to do cornerbacks, you're welcome to do it. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, uh, all right, outstanding. Um, let's let's talk about the various things they can do. Do you see? Do you see a likelihood the Ravens might sign a free agent of some sort this offseason? I, I don't, just because they have so many of their own free agents and the cap space. I feel like I think I tweeted this uh, during the week where they they generally don't make plays for big UFAs Mm -hmm. and generally a corner is a very expensive position. So I I don't think so. I I mean, mean, Jimmy Smith technically is a free agent, but I know we're not talking about him. Um, I don't think so. You know, so the, 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 I don't see him t- going after a big name, period. I don't think at any position, although I could be surprised by that, and they'll, they'll go out and get a lineman. That would be the, that would be the place I would expect it to be. Where, um, where I think the Ravens might possibly make a move is an inexpensive slot corner that they like somewhere else in the league. So it'd be a, it'd be a Corey Graham-type deal, a couple million, two and a half million kind of thing. Not a, not a big money deal. And again, it might, could well come out of the bargain bin, uh, later on, after after the draft is all determined, a lot of yeah. you know free agency that occurs then is certainly the Ravens' time. Michael, we got to say goodbye on this. Really appreciate having you on. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online. It was my pleasure, and thanks again for having me, Ken. You can see me uh, at on Twitter at Mike Fast NFL, and you can read me on Baltimore Sports and Life. All right. Terrific. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short this offseason, all I demand is that people be passionate about some topic and be fairly narrow. We'll get into depth in 25 minutes. If you want to do a series of episodes, that can be done as well. But I I don't I don't want to. We're not doing one episode on what's wrong with Greg Roman. That's too complex a topic for that. So I want you to go into some detail on that. So just give you an idea of what I'm really looking for this offseason. But that said, happy to have you on the show and and to uh, uh, have an open mic and a platform to platform to talk. Mike, thanks again for coming on this time. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.